Well, good morning, y'all. I don't know if you noticed all the crazy things that were happening on stage during that. Michael, too, over here was playing a tambourine with his foot, and Peter just gets on up off of the drums and walks over to the piano and makes his debut there. And it was pretty odd. It was miracles. Um, so we are wrapping up a series today called In the Twinkling of an Eye that was uh, based on a conversation that I had with my dad's wife uh, right after he had a stroke a couple months ago where she looked at me and she said, I, I know now what the Bible means when it says in the twinkling of an eye because our lives were changed forever just like that. She was referring to a passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. I left uh, church last Sunday um, afternoon, and I was going to go down and see my dad, and see him in the home that he's been in since he had that stroke. And it's about an hour and a half drive down there, and I was really tired after last Sunday's service, and really didn't feel like making the drive. And so I called my wife and said, hey, is there another day this week that I can go down? And we started talking about it and realized, you know, it's probably not. And I should just suck it up and just go down there right then when I had the opportunity. So I did. I get down into the home and I find my dad laying in the same position that he's been in for weeks. And he just looks terrible. He can barely talk and took him three times just to be able to tell me that he loves me. And, you know, in the midst of it all, my dad's personality is such that, you know, in the midst of it all, he's, like, trying so desperately to, like, crack a joke or to say something funny just to keep my spirits up and make me feel better. But it was absolutely painful to uh, see him like that. I mean, this is a strong, charismatic, incredible leader. You know, and to see him now uh, paralyzed and bedridden was a very tough thing. So I talked to him for a while and kissed on him and told him how much I loved him. And just before I left, I felt led to pray with him, and so we prayed together. And I went back home. But that night... I did something that I had never done before. I prayed the hardest prayer that I've ever prayed. Because I prayed that God would be merciful and just take him. In full disclosure, I was bawling all night while I was praying that prayer. But he was in such pain and misery and suffering with no hope of recovery that I just felt led just to pray that prayer all night long 
while I lay awake. It was 2.30 a.m. when I got up to use the restroom. I came back to bed and just laid down for just a moment and just prayed that prayer one more time. And all of a sudden I see the light on my phone go off because I had it on silent. And I turn to my wife and I just say, you know, I've been praying this prayer all night that God would take Dad and I feel like he just did. I looked at my phone and there was a text from my brother saying that they found my dad unresponsive and they were rushing him to the hospital. And so I made it down to Hobart, Indiana in record time. And I think it was by the grace of God that my brother and I arrived at the exact same moment, which is miraculous in and of itself, because he lives 40 minutes closer. And they, uh, they brought us back into this little room in the back of the ER where we were met by a doctor and a chaplain. And they started talking to us for a while, and to be honest with you, I have no idea what they said. This wasn't my first rodeo, and I knew what they were there to tell me. And I remember just thinking, just say it. Just hurry up and say it until finally those words came out of their mouth that said, your dad is dead. And it was a very, very tough moment for me. But in the twinkling of an eye, just like that, he was gone from this earth. I just want to say I am very grateful for all of the love and support and prayers and flowers and cards and emails and texts and everything that we received from Westridge. It absolutely made a difference in what we were going through and just to know that the community of Westridge was around us and it was a tough loss for me because my dad and I were very close. And, you know, I always kind of felt like we were kind of a team. You know, as I said before, he was a pastor, and, and by the time I was kind of going through my later years of school, he was actually a church planner, so he would start new churches. And, you know, if you're lucky, there were 30 people in the church. You know, a booming church is like 40. And um, so he was able to do some things that he maybe wouldn't normally be able to do. And so literally he started me preaching by the time I was 13. God help all those people. He had me uh, door-to-door calling by the time I was 14. And not because he made me do it or there was any kind of obligation or anything, but because I was literally so inspired by this man at such an early age, I just wanted to be just like him. And... uh, you know, when I got a little older, um, you know, I was in, in Bible college, and then he started a new church in Frankfurt Square, and so we were really a team then because he was the teaching pastor, and I led worship, and God really blessed those people. I mean, I mean, you should just feel grateful for Michael, that's all I'm saying right now, but, um, but you know, he was such an inspiration to me and such a model and such a mentor because... 
Um, he was just driven by one thing in his life, just one thing. And that was to help people who didn't know him find Jesus. And he made the decision to do that. In fact, we played the audio of him being interviewed at his funeral where he just said, you know, I made the choice to go into planting new churches because I felt like I could reach the most people in the least amount of time. So even though he was doing that, his mission was very, very simple. To reach as many people for Jesus as he could before he died. There was a a woman who came up to me at the funeral who I had no idea who she was, and she reminded me of when I knew her as a teenage girl in the church that I was the worship leader in, and um, I was in high school at the time, or at my early years of Bible college, and um, but she later, she was at the funeral, but she later posted on Facebook how she remembered dad taking her to McDonald's, buying her a shake, and teaching her for the first time what it meant to accept Jesus. And she said, like, in that McDonald's, I remember as a young teenager accepting Jesus Christ for the first time, and now many years later, she's a young lady who's active in her church and a very strong person of faith. And, you know, she was just one of hundreds of lives that my dad touched and made a difference in their lives. And so, with everything going on this week, making all of the plans and decisions that you really don't want to deal with, and going through the wakes and funerals, and we did two of those each, because my uh, we did a a funeral up here, and then a funeral down south where my dad's from. And through all the grief that I was experiencing and you know, just kind of going through a very difficult time, I remembered one thing. I was scheduled to teach here this morning. And I, uh, I debated all week back and forth as to whether or not I would go through with it and I would actually this appointment to speak this morning, mainly because I wondered if I could hold it together long enough to speak, which I'm, by the grace of God, doing well so far. Um, But after just a lot of thought and a lot of contemplation, I realized one thing, that this was exactly how this series was supposed to end. Like, I really believe that. And more than anything else, my dad would want me to get up here this morning and to speak to all of you and to give you just one very, very simple message. And that's this. Don't waste another minute of your life on the wrong stuff. Not one more minute. I don't believe in uh, hellfire and brimstone preaching where you try and literally scare the hell out of people. My dad was a very gifted evangelist. Like, 
you know, evangelism is a churchy word for helping people to become Christians and witnessing to them. And he was, uh, you know, he was amazing. He would be like witnessing to the waitress that was waiting on us and the guy that was working on his car. And sometimes it was a little embarrassing. You know, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, that was his passion. And he, he never backed down from that. And for me, I just don't have an evangelistic bone in my body, to be honest with you. You know, I've, I've always had this philosophy, like, if you want to follow Jesus, that's your choice, and that's between you and God. And so I'm not going to sit up here and try to convince you about it. I'm not going to sit up here and try to scare you or guilt you or any of that. Like, my job, as I see it, is just explaining things best I can so that you can make that decision because I can't do it for you. What I do hope, however, is that I can inspire you a little bit about understanding, and this is from my own, my own experience in my own life, that I can tell you unequivocally that a life that is lived in Jesus is way better than a life that's lived without Jesus. However, considering everything that I've gone through uh, through the last week and months and, quite frankly, this year, if we're going to talk about getting for real about our faith, if we're going to talk about in the twinkling of an eye, then I'm going to get real about it, too, and I'm going to do my best to channel Bob Sloniger in this message. And so I'm going to say this. If you were to have asked Dad, if you were to sit down by his bed and you were to ask him about his life, he would have told you what he told me. And that is that 87 years, like, really flew by. It seems like just yesterday he said that he was like in his 20s and a young pastor. And then he would say to you, time is fleeting. And you need to figure it out now. Like, right now. Because you never know when your time is going to run out. And he would also tell you what he told me before he died, which was that he didn't have even one regret for giving his life to Jesus and living out every day of his life in his mission of serving God. And so, just to say this as plainly as I can this morning, there will come a day when you and I are going to die. And on that day, we're going to stand in front of God, and we have to face God on what's called Judgment Day. 
and give an account for our lives. And the question is, will we be ready for it? In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, Jesus says something pretty sobering, I think. He says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a very few find it. So this passage implies to me that the majority of the people in this world will not have done what Jesus asked them to do in order to be saved. It implies that not everyone who says that they believe in God or goes to church on Sunday mornings are going to heaven. Because Jesus requires more than just belief and Sunday morning attendance. It certainly implies that not everybody who lives a good life will receive eternal life. Because the Bible is very clear that none of us are good enough to earn our way into heaven. The Bible also makes it abundantly clear that if you want to enter heaven on that day, then you have to be perfect. But what my dad loved the most about preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, was that at the heart of the Christian faith, it teaches that we are all a bunch of messed up people with an amazing knack and ability to screw up our lives. We do things all wrong. We do everything that God doesn't want us to do. We sin, we fall, we mess up. And not one of us have lived a life worthy of this. That while we were all just a bunch of messed up sinners, Jesus died for us. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on that cross, all of a sudden, something happened. Because becoming perfect for the first time through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ became possible. That when we call on the name of the Lord, and we do what God asks us to do, that we have the ability to be forgiven. And as far as the east is from the west, have that sin removed from us so that we can stand before him perfect. Look, I follow Jesus not only because it is the only thing in this world that makes any sense to me, I have sat down, I have looked at every world religion, I have looked at atheism, I've looked at every possibility, and the only thing that makes sense to me is the Christian faith. 
But I'm also a Christian because I've lived a pretty messed up life in my past. And I'm about as imperfect as they come as a Christian in my present. But thank God, he loves me anyway. And he said those four words that changed my life forever. Your sins are forgiven. And now, I don't have to be afraid of dying anymore. Because I know that when I stand before God on Judgment Day, I will stand before him perfect. Not because I've lived a perfect life. Far from it. But because I've done what he asked me to do. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've accepted his free gift of grace. I've repented of the sin of my past. And I am working my rear end off to live a life worthy of my calling. Where I live differently where I do my best to walk the narrow path that leads to Jesus and it drives everything that I do. And because of that, my sin has been removed from my life and I can stand before him perfectly. My intention this morning is not to freak everybody out or that we become paralyzed with fear about death but rather that by reflecting on our death, it gives us a wake-up call to know that every single day, every moment, every breath that we take has to count. That we make that count. Because we never get those moments back. And when we finally have that aha moment that this life is fleeting and that this is just a preparation of a life that's to come for all of eternity, it changes us. We begin to live differently. We live with more meaning, more passion, more intentionality. That passage in 1 Corinthians that I read earlier about the twinkling of an eye, it ends with Paul saying, Therefore, Stand firm. Don't back down. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, and it will never, ever be in vain. So this morning, you know, I've asked you a lot in this series to do things that are uncomfortable for you, so I'm going to do something that's uncomfortable for me. And I'm going to do something that my dad did every Sunday morning. And I'm going to give a a good old-fashioned invitation. And so this morning, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity... I pray that right now you will accept Jesus this morning before you leave and I'll be sitting right down here and you can come sit next to me and I'll pray that prayer with you 
so that your life can be changed forever. And if you're somebody who believes that you gave your life to Jesus, but you're just stuck, man, you just haven't moved off of where you need to be to be able to grow and to thrive and get beyond a Sunday morning thing, if you want to come forward, I'll pray for you that you can just begin to free up your life and to live the way that God wants you to live and have the kind of faith that it takes to be on that narrow path and to give your life fully to Him. Some of us are stuck because we have stuff in our life that we can't shake. We have demons that haunt us that we can't get off our backs and it's preventing us from having a an authentic, great relationship with God. And if you want to come forward, I'll pray that God will release you from that. And there's still others of us who have been a Christian all of our lives. And yet we've never got to that embodying part, that really taking on who Jesus is and and embodying the radical love of God and taking on the characteristics of Jesus. And so if you want to pray, I'll pray with you that God will completely transform you and make you into the person he wants you to be. I just hope that when we walk out that door today, that we will not be the same people we were when we walked in. I pray that we draw a line in the sand today and that we say, no more. I'm not embarrassed. I am not going to hold back. I'm not going to be skeptical. I am all in. And I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ. And so I hope if you're in that place that you'll come forward this morning and sit with me and let me pray with you. I just truly believe that if we give ourselves to Jesus Christ and we give ourselves fully to Him, that in the twinkling of an eye, when we walk out of this world and into the next... I promise you this. You'll have no regret. That you can say as my dad did, I have no regrets about giving my life to Jesus Christ. And in that moment, you will know that it's all been so worth it. So while Michael sings this song, if you want to come forward, come on and let's pray. I just pray that we all today just draw a line in the sand and say, no more. I want to live differently. I want to live freed up to live the life that Jesus wants for me. And it's tough, you know. I mean, it takes courage and it takes strength and it takes inner fortitude and it takes everything that we have inside of us to be able to do that day in and day out to make that journey we can do that together. And so I pray that this will be a life-changing moment for all of us where we just leave this place different than when we came in. We take communion every week here because we really believe that what Jesus did on the cross really does give us a second chance. Just to be able to have our past and the stuff that we struggle with and to get freed up from it because Jesus forgives us. To be able to stand perfect before God is a gift, right? On judgment day, to be able to stand there, head held high, because we know that all the sin of our past has been removed. East is from the west, he's removed it from us. 
so every week here we celebrate communion because of that. We remember that. And so I hope that every week we take this time really seriously. So in just a moment, there'll be a tray of bread that we pass. Take a piece of bread and eat it. Pass the tray on down to the next person. But as you do, take that piece of bread in remembrance of the broken body of Jesus Christ. In the same way, there'll be a tray of cups of juice. Take a cup of juice and drink it. Put the empty cup back in the tray. Pass it down to the next person. But as you do, take that in remembrance of the blood that was spilled there on that cross. But in this moment, just thank God that we have hope. That on that day when we leave this world, that we don't have to be afraid because of what Jesus did for us. Let's pray together. Father, I'm just so grateful for what you've done for us and for your grace, Father. And I pray that we will be changed forever just being here in this moment. So, Father, we just thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray.